to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is... John Van Trieste. And the destination... 1807. 2 centuries when Imperial China ruled Taiwan, few Taiwan-born people could equal the military man Wang De Lu in rank or prestige. Wang's career on both land and sea brought him the admiration of his superiors and ended with him holding one of the highest titles of honor in the land. Wang's hometown in southern Taiwan is now home to the National Palace Museum Southern Branch, and this year the museum has opened a special exhibit following the rise of this proud local son. Last week, assistant museum researcher Wang Jianyu joined us to discuss Wang's early life and his beginnings as a military commander. Today, Mr. Wang joins us again to discuss a new phase in this distinguished career, Wang De Lu's years as a pirate hunter and his later life. Mr. Wang says that unlike pirates in other parts of the world at other times, the pirates in the seas around Imperial China during the early 19th century rarely went after big treasure ships. There weren't many around. Instead, he says, they would raid coastal villages, looting and taking notable captives for ransom. Once they'd taken what they wanted, these pirates could get away quickly in their fast ships and find refuge in the many small islands and deserted coves along the coast. At this point in Wang De Lu's life, there were three great pirate syndicates causing trouble, and in 1807, having achieved the rank of a regional naval commander, Wang De Lu went in pursuit of one in particular. The head of this gang, a pirate called Zhu Fen, could often be found in waters just to the north of Taiwan. Hearing he was in the neighborhood yet again, Wang De Lu set off to Taiwan to give him chase. Wang dealt the pirates a big blow in a battle off Keelong. The pirates fled in a direction Mr. Wang says was very clever. They followed the coast around to Taiwan's eastern side. Unlike the Asia-facing western half of the island, the eastern Pacific side was beyond imperial jurisdiction. These were indigenous lands, places where imperial subjects were forbidden to go. Jufan thought his pirates would be safe in these forbidden seas. But they were pursued, their strength gradually sapped as they were chased through the ocean. Finally, in November 1807, the campaign against Jufan's pirate band came to a head. The pirates had crossed back over the Taiwan Strait, and Wang received word that they'd gotten caught in a storm near the island of Jinmen. There, sure enough, he found them. It's said that the ensuing battle had a particularly dramatic finish. On the deck of the main pirate ship, Wang could see a man dressed in flashy clothing. Knowing this was an important pirate, he drew his bow and shot the man dead with a single arrow. As it turned out, this was an important figure, uncle to the pirate ringleader Zhu Fen himself. This dramatic act clearly shook the morale of the pirate gang. Zhu Fen himself got away, but heavily weakened, another commander soon took him down. The emperor was deeply impressed with Wang De Lu's performance. So 
The imperial house of this dynasty was of ethnic Manchu stock, founded by men from the north who had valued warring and shooting. Mr. Wang says there was something special about the idea that an ethnic Chinese subject had such good aim. Wang was rewarded for his feat with treasures, including an ornamental jade thumb ring of the type used by archers. Wang was just getting started. A leading naval commander had just been killed on a pirate hunting mission, and Wang De Lu was given his position. He started preparing to take down a second pirate boss, Cai Qian. The campaign against this pirate went into 1809. This time around, the pirate wouldn't escape alive. The final battle came in waters off Wenzhou. Wang De Lu had the pirates surrounded. The pirates had run out of cannonballs, and they'd now taken to stuffing their cannon with stolen coins, shooting them as shrapnel. Suddenly, a blast went off, hitting Wang De Lu. Wang fainted, but his men revived him, and he commanded his men to ram the main pirate ship. They aimed for the ship's rudder, and they succeeded in breaking it, leaving it unable to steer. Mr. Wang says that by this point, the ship had also started taking on water, shot through as it was with holes. The pirate Cai Qian went overboard and drowned. By crushing the major pirates of the day, Wang and his fellow commanders brought peace to the empire's coasts. Wang's career at sea continued, but long years of the hard life on the ocean started to take their toll. In 1822, Wang was forced to retire due to illness. It seems he still had some fight in him, and he tried to enlist in a campaign on land in the empire's far west. The emperor denied his request. From the time he took ill, Wang would have to wait a decade for a chance to prove himself again. In 1832, word reached Wang that a rebellion had broken out back home in Taiwan. As we heard last week, it was in putting down rebellions that Wang's career had got its start. Now retired from the sea, he went back to his roots, putting together a volunteer militia and defending the city of Jiayi exactly as he had during his teenage years. For his role in helping to put down the rebellion, Wang was dubbed Junior Guardian of the Heir Apparent. So good was he at putting down rebellions that he did it again a few years later. This time he was promoted to Grand Guardian of the Heir Apparent. These titles were just ceremonial, but they were incredibly prestigious and brought inclusion in some of the imperial hierarchy's highest ranks. At around this time, it became apparent that Wang's success hunting pirates had had an unintended consequence. The long years of maritime peace they brought about led the imperial naval forces to grow soft. Mr. Wang says that things had gotten so slack that once the next crisis came around, there were no fit commanders to be found. In 1840, with the first opium war on, Wang was called out of retirement to guard the Penghu Islands off Taiwan's west coast. Wang answered the call, but this time it seems he fatally overexerted himself. 
In 1842, at around 72 years of age, Wang died of an illness. After his death, he was promoted once again, this time to Grand Preceptor of the Heir Apparent. He was buried in a tomb that's unusually elaborate for Taiwan, but befitting of his high rank. At a spot not too far from the museum itself, you can still see the tomb and the stone sculptures that go with it. The ongoing exhibit about Wang's life includes many artifacts and reconstructions that take you back into his world. I asked Mr. Wang which object is the most impressive. He says the exhibit includes Wang De Lu's official robes, on loan from his descendants. This is an artifact that is as puzzling as it is impressive. This kind of robe, with its many dragons, would have been reserved for someone of even higher rank than Wang De Lu. Wearing robes above your rank was a capital offense. Both Wang's descendants and the museum's researcher of Chinese textiles agree that Wang must have gotten special permission to wear this robe, a reward for years of capable service. At the exhibit, you'll also find interactive features, including new media like virtual reality. You can stand on the deck of one of Wang's ships, see its masts, and take a look at its structure. He says you can even feel the slight rocking of the ship on the waves centuries ago, the closest you can get to a journey through time. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week.